0: This is a News Laundry podcast, and you're listening to sessions from the Media Rumble 2018. A huge welcome to Anand Goenka and Arun Puri. Um, Anand Goenka, as most of you would know, all of you would know, is the executive director of the Indian Express. He joined six years ago, right? And is responsible really for the big push Indian Express has taken in the digital area. He is a Dean Scholar in Print uh, uh, Journalism from the Annenberg School of Journalism. He's also taught over there. Uh, He was just telling us about a course he did on Indian journalism where India Today's material was coming up all the time. Clearly, Anand with his grandfather's legend has been educated more than any other, more than any journalist school could actually teach. So he has, as he told me once, that he has newsprint running in his blood, or rather, instead of blood. And he, because of his youth, has brought an understanding of the digital space, which someone older than him possibly could not. And I think you saw his, most of you saw his interview with Campbell Brown, and that showed. Arun Puri is the editor-in-chief and chairman of the India Today group. Although Arun's educational background is not related to journalism, he has been a legendary editor quite ruthless in demanding the best. I do remember in the 80s, Arun asking for a cover story to be written 12 times. Today that wouldn't happen, of course, there's no time. There are enough stories about his editorial skills, but with changing times, he has also changed in understanding that the business side of the news organization is also important. I think this session is really important for journalists over here, because very rarely, not really, we have never seen owners of news organizations being able to give their point of view and the problems they face in running an organization. It's always usually the journalist's point of view when they're trying to push a story or they have problems with in any area. And I think the film The Post, which I think most of you have seen, which we screened, an hour ago, brings that to the fore. That Kay Graham, Catherine Graham's struggles wi- with Ben Bradley, her editor at the Washington Post, showed the many areas of conflicts that conflict that takes place when an issue to publish or not publish develops. And I will start with um, a scene from the Post to refresh you. When this tussle is going on about uh, whether they should publish the Pentagon Papers, just to remind uh, everyone, the Pentagon Papers were uh, part. First part of it was published in the New York Times. Uh, The American government went to the Supreme Court to stop further publication, and the court decided in favor of the government that they should cease public publishing the Pentagon Papers. However, they neglected to say anywhere. So other newspapers could publish them. And the Washington Post team got their hands on it. Now the decision was whether to publish or not. And while this tussle is going on, Tony Bradley, which is who is Ben Bradley's wife, tells him that Kay Graham is really brave. And she answers, he's not. She, she's not the only one who's brave, implying that he is too. And she says, no, because your reputation is being burnished by this controversy. You can go on and find another job. Whereas for her, this is her life. This is her legacy. And this is what I want to bring out in this conversation, on what news organization owners go through, that although they would like, to publish anything. But they also have to keep in mind what was holding K. Graham back. So Arun, have you faced these kind of situations? And you've had, uh, looking at 40 years of journalism, you and I are old enough to have seen all the prime ministers of India. Yeah, we were alive. We were children when Jawaharlal Nehru was prime minister. And you've seen 18 governments with two Prime Ministers repeated, Indira Gandhi, and I think it was uh, Vajpayee, Bari Vajpayee. So with all those, you have a huge amount of experience dealing with various governments. Have you faced those this kind of a situation?
1: <clears throat> well, I think I, I've faced these situations, but it's the question of how you deal with them. Uh, I've always maintained that if you're going to publish something, uh, it should be defensible, and that's my... Mandate to journalists is you can do any story you want, but I should be able to stand up and defend it with dignity It must have the evidence must have taken all sides of it And if you follow those principles, then uh, I don't think you have any issue number two I think Kay Graham's issue was also was she was very friendly with the government You know she was she
0: was that that's another subject. I want to come to later that she was friendly with Robert McNamara
1: yeah, so So, I mean, that's the other issue, is the fact that if owners or even journalists get friendly with the government and with bureaucrats or whoever's in power, right, you then are in a position where you get conflicted, okay, you know, I'm going to expose people who I know very well, you know, I always tell the journalists that, you know, don't get too friendly with your with your sources and with the people you meet and in this club, it's, it's the Hindi phrase is uh, you know, right? Uh, that's the issue. So I think that being friendly with governments, being in with them, creates all these conflicts for you. If you don't have that problem and if you're publishing, you're in a, you're in a, in a country which is democratic and a free press, you shouldn't have any such issues.
0: Um, it's no secret that Arun is my brother and I do happen to know how he leads his social life. And I would compare it to a judge's social life. <laughs> he actually- Yeah,
1: well you can't have friends. Yeah, he <laughs> actually
0: has a very small group of friends and will not socialize with the Delhi business crowd or <clears throat> any other crowd because I think he I remember at one time when Rajiv Gandhi first came into power, he invited a lot of journalists for breakfast, this new prime minister trying to get to know the press. I called Arun and told him that you know he's invited me to breakfast. He said, don't go. Once you go, you can't write in the same way. So that is an issue. But we'll come to that in a little more detail. Um, in Let's talk about not only your six years, but also the period before that, Anand. You must have known of incidents which you've had to face this decision. What? what can you tell us of what indian express did besides the emergency i mean emergency i think everybody is educated enough to know how your grandfather stood up to the government
2: yeah so i think you know exactly what uh, arunji just mentioned i think really it comes down to how you sort of uh, handle it and i think you know if i if i hadn't grown up uh, in in ramnath goenka's home uh, i i i wouldn't be doing this i'm quite sure i wouldn't be doing this because I, I find the position that Arunji is in, that my father is in, and that I've sort of learned to look at, uh, look up to, is is a very thankless place, because very often you find that your newsroom hates you, your the few friends you have in Delhi will also hate you, uh, and you know you're not making a lot of money out of it anyway, uh, so you kind of you kind of think about why are we really <laughs> doing all of this? And I think, you know, just to if you come back and sort of remember Ooh. the fact that uh, it's just such a It's such a privilege to be able to influence public discourse, to be able to say, you know, the other things that we would like the country to be discussing and talking about. I think if that's central to your motivation for being here, for coming out every day or every second now, um, I think these conflicts become, they all fall into perspective. Um, And it's nothing has been, I mean, as, as you said, nothing is new. I mean, you've always gotten phone calls. I think the Indian Express uh, has always gotten a phone call. I'm sure any real journalism outfit has... If you're not getting a phone call, you're probably not doing real journalism. I think you know that's part of being who we are, really.
0: Um, <coughs> there have been times... Uh, Arun, I know that in India today, there's also been pressure from corporates. I remember one time when you did a story on the Tata Group, and they withheld their advertising for a long period, I think almost a year. What do you do in a situation like that?
1: Well, without, I mean, getting into the details of that because there's always two sides of the story. Actually, it was held up for five years. um, And they didn't like some coverage, which we did. They didn't, actually, they banned us and there's some other media too. Um, And it was right across their group. Uh, That means everything. And they are a large group.
0: And they used to take huge pages, pages, back pages.
1: I know on television also. This was uh, actually to do with the Nira Radia tapes, right? Um, so they banned us for five years, and um, I think that the the main uh, lesson from this is, firstly, they're entitled to do what they want, right? In the sense that it's their money, they uh, they can spend it the way they want. So I don't think that we can crib about it. I think the moral of the lesson, the moral of the story, is that you have to be financially independent. For five years, we didn't have any uh, uh, advertising from this group. They even banned us. I said, okay, don't give us advertising. I wrote a letter to them to say that, let us get your side of the story when we do stories about your group. They even banned us, all their group, from talking to us, editorially. So it was that bad, in the sense. So that was a, a difficult situation to be. It's so worse
0: than a government, actually.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. this actually so. goes to a larger problem. Is the, and that's a more endemic problem. Is the fact that media in India is very cheap. And that started off from the newspapers. It started with newspapers at two rupees. Now they've gone up to four rupees. Uh, and it come, it's what I call Radhi economics. Actually, you get the newspaper at the end of the month. You sell those old newspapers. You get more money than what you paid for, right? Uh, so, the, uh, the uh, media is totally dependent on advertising, and that's wrong, right? You, people have to start paying more for media. It's even the same for TV channels. If you look at uh, what you pay for the cable operator, right, you can get, I don't know, 300, 400 channels for 300 rupees or 500 rupees. If you convert that to, to dollars, it's nothing, right? So, media is really cheap, which makes the media dependent on advertising, which makes you vulnerable. Your consumers must pay more for media. That's the only way you will become independent. And also you will produce content which the audience wants. And also and,
0: uh, free you from what is called paid news or impact yes. features. and so and...
1: I think that that is a very structural problem and uh, it's kind of a legacy in India. If you look at uh, abroad, uh, New York Times I think sells for like $3, right? Uh, economist in in England is six pounds, right? Here in India, it's 350 rupees. We sell India today for 60 rupees. So, this dependence on advertising makes you highly vulnerable. And this model actually has to change now. Now, of course, with the digital media coming in, it's becoming even a bigger issue because everything is much freer. People don't want to pay for anything anymore, right? Uh, but, but I think- I,
0: I, I must interrupt you in that because the New York Times declared a, a $2 billion profit in their paid subscriptions, which they thought would never happen. And they were dependent on advertising. Yeah, that's in fact. that yeah. And that's that the is po- changing now. Yeah.
1: It. So that's the point I want to make is the fact that even going forward for digital, the people who will succeed are people who will have content which people want to pay for. Right? And New York Times is that kind of content. People are willing to pay for it. Their digital subscriptions exceed their print subscriptions, right? That's the way forward. So consumers must pay more. You must produce valuable content which consumers want to pay more for, or pay at least, right? I think that's the future. Uh, so all this is all tied up together in terms of I'm vulnerability.
2: But structurally, Arunji, I don't think that's happening at all. As you said, digital, it's, only, it's fact is only getting cheaper and more difficult to get people to pay for any kind of content. No, I'm
1: saying that, like, New York Times is a good example, yeah. right, in terms of... the New York contents. Times
0: was warned by their uh, accountants and auditors that this is an area you should not look at. They were told, the the management was told, don't expect to make money from paid subscriptions, digital subscriptions. And that's been proven wrong. So maybe we're at the cusp of change. But tell me, Anand, talking about what, uh, have you had pressures from advertisers or we'll get to the government later, but from advertisers? No,
2: I mean, I think, of of course, right, of course. I mean, we're the partners for Panama. Uh, and then all the subsequent yes. stuff that happened uh, and a lot of uh,
0: business names came out then. There
2: were lots of advertisers there uh, in that list uh, uh, you know and I think but you know I also feel that uh, we're sort of getting a little bit more evolved uh, uh you know in the way advertisers' relationship with the publisher is like i i don 't know whether uh, whether a five year ban on India Today group by a g- group like Tata would you know i don 't think it would be sort of taken as lightly as it or rather it would have commanded much more attention today maybe. Um, because I think that we are very, uh, I think generally we hold free speech quite close to our hearts. But this is
0: quite recent. This was during the Neera Radia tapes, right? I think
1: The uh, data ban. Nira Radia tapes. Yeah. yeah, so I
2: think the last five years, I, I feel there has been a reasonable uh, shift. Um, you know, a lot of the advertisers, you know, they call, they'll complain. Uh, but, you know, I feel one of the things about the Express is that the reason that they're in our paper is because they want to be associated with independent journalism in mm-hmm. the first place. Uh, so I think, you know, we are, we are able, I think the Express, we're able to sell beyond reach and frequency. We're able to sell a profile of audience. We're able to sell to the advertiser, uh, you know, independence, uh, sort of a certain kind of um, involvement with the reader. Uh, and I think, obviously, advertising, you know, cannot just be reach and frequency. Otherwise, we'll all just be sitting and, you know, I mean, what's the difference between Indian Express or uh, really a Times of India or another, you know, out that just goes to five like or six like homes uh. you're
0: probably getting calls from say your father's friends or whatever businessman. you have one advantage which Arun did not have He, in fact grew up where all the many people who came into power he went to school with and so you actually had to go through a process of cutting them off right and cutting access to you and that means also that they would cut access to your reporters is that true
1: no, I think the reporters do their own, own they job. They do their own thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't now, think there that's there was a time issue. when
0: Indira Gandhi threw out a reporter out of one of her press conferences because she was upset with India today.
1: Yes, that happened when, uh, in fact, now this has become such a big issue that we carried this, uh, it's a Nelly massacre which happened in Assam. And we put it on a cover uh, here and NAM was happening in, in Delhi. It was a big kind of showcase for Mrs. Gandhi. Uh, And she was embarrassed by it. They had all the copies swept out from Delhi, um, picked up from everywhere. And then a reporter of ours asked her a question um, in Calcutta in a press conference, and then she just let off on him: "You're anti-national, and you're a traitor, and you're this and that." That's a new term. (laughs) 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 So it has a legacy. (laughs) Yes.
0: So also. you did the other thing, that right after the emergency, you put her on the cover before the results were announced. And those poster posters were all over town. And then India Today was blamed for influencing the election for her coming back. So it could work either Which way. Which
1: one are you talking about? It's when 84. she just
0: came back from 1980. Uh, in, uh, yeah, 1980, just after the, after the Dal collapse. No, oh,
1: we had done an opinion poll. And the so opinion the opinion poll, poll said that she was going back. to be ahead when the conventional wisdom was that she wasn't going to come back. And so we 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 did what we what we discovered, which is the fact that the poll said that she was ahead and she was going to come back. So we put her on the cover.
0: And you were blamed for her coming back.
1: No, that, that I don't <laughs> know. That, I mean, they now always keep one, shooting the messenger.
0: Um, out of all the governments that you have published India Today and the television. Who has been the most controlling in trying to get into the narrative?
1: I think it's a question of how much you let them be, let them get into your narrative, you know? Um, this government is one which watches you closely, right? Um, reacts to things which, you, which they find is, is wrong or whatever um, and you need to be able to defend yourself. Uh, beyond that uh, they're all about the same I mean um, I think you just go about your business um, doing it the way you should be and, and uh, you
0: um, Anand
2: you know I I tend to agree I, I feel there's a lot of talk about how intolerant this government is and how sort of uh, you know uh, thin skinned uh, you know they can be to the press and you know I think the couple of things Nitin Gadkari was on one of our events recently uh, about a year ago actually And he said, you know, we're just so used to being in the opposition um, that, uh, you know, we we, we don't know how to not be angry. Uh, Sort of, it's kind of just kind of going through with that still.
0: That's not an excuse that's acceptable. (laughs) Get used to it. You're in power. So so I think,
2: you know, I I do think that there is a sort of sense that they are uh, are sort of new in government and they're all new, inexperienced in sort of positions of power like they are right now. So I think uh, maybe it comes across more and... uh, uh, so, I, so I think that 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 is certainly a factor, but it's it's not new. It's always happened. We've had that's editors true. in jail. Yeah, uh, emergency. P- you know, obviously well, one is a
3: whole
0: different area. But even we then, want, but even just in normal time. I want to ask it's you. It's
2: got to do with the strength of the government, also, right? Like this is the uh, only single party majority government the last thirty years. It's it it play, The stronger the government, I feel, the more pressure and the more sort of the more fake news you'll see going around because actually fake news is more government than, uh, than media, uh, yes. you know, if you think about it.
0: Now, what is your opinion of what happened in the last couple of days at ABP News? You are aware that they um, sent a team uh, to Chhattisgarh to find out, uh, to interview the woman who had uh, been, uh, who had given uh, an interview saying that her crop had, her income had doubled because of Narendra Modi's policies. And ABP News went there, interviewed her, and she said she was tutored to say that. And then she went on a press conference. I can't say whether she was tutored or not. But then she said, no, I didn't say that I was tutored. Then ABP went back to her. And again, she said, yes, I was tutored for the press conference also. So there were tweets from uh, the minister of INB rajivardan rathore and nirmala sitaraman uh, deploring what abp news have done since then three of their one anchor person has been is off air and two of them have resigned prasoon bajpay and milan khandekar so do you, now there is this controversy that how do we know it's pressure from the government but that's a bit like saying uh, unless you find f- proof a solid proof of um, uh, uh, wrongdoing for which there is can be no proof except a phone call or an ishara. What do you do there? How, what do you think of what has happened in the last three days?
2: You know, my view... Is, so, firstly, I met uh, one of the senior management guys uh, yesterday from ABP who said that he was always resigning and there's nothing is new. And so, kind of, I mean, the party line from ABP side was very clearly that this is nothing to do with the story. So, that's... They're still maintaining that. So i heard just, that, yes. So, FYI. Mm-hmm. My perspective from whatever you're just mentioning... Uh, you know, again, I mean, I would look at the proprietors here. You know, it's... I mean, I don't think that phone call, you know, is surprising. I, I think that phone call would have come typically with any government. Uh, it's really up to the proprietors to sort of, you know, how do you tackle that phone call? Uh, and sort of how do you, uh, you know, how do you, this, this hurts your brand. This hurts ABP's brand, whether it happened, didn't happen, government called, didn't call. The fact that this is played out, it, it's, it's hurting the ABP brand, right? So I think, the, I think the onus does come on the proprietor. I don't.
1: Same. I mean, it's the proprietor's call. I mean, if he got a phone call, that means he's vulnerable on something that he's, if it is because of this that these people have resigned, I don't know the internal facts. Um, But then it's up to him, really, um, that he bent under pressure, what the pressure was, what does the government have on him, right? Um, I don't know. Uh, But that's... that's Is it possible
2: that he believes that that this wasn't a story to be done?
1: Could be. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I uh, I mean, I'm reading all kinds of reports that uh, the instructions went out, don't do anti-Modi stories and so forth. So who knows? That's their call uh, how they want to present themselves. There are many, uh, many channels and many uh, publications which don't do anti-Modi stories. So um, it's up uh, to them. But there
0: have been uh, editors, senior editors who have been let go with the which is kind of obvious those editors were following what was perceived as an anti-Modi government line, although they might be doing straight journalism, which happened to come out with negative stories about the present government. We know uh, Krishna Prasad of Outlook went, Harish Mandar of Tribune Chandigarh went, Hindustan Times' Bobby Ghosh went, and the number of unknown junior reporters who are not named, and they're just told, please, so have you had Calls which have mentioned that please let go of this person.
1: No. No.
0: I mean, I, I don't think it's ever
2: going to that be as direct as that. I don't know. I mean, in my experience, no. Uh, I can ask my dad, but <laughs> in my experience, no. I don't think no. it's as direct. This as government
1: lets you know that they're unhappy. Yeah. Unlike other governments, they were used to, they'd be unhappy, but they do sneaky things otherwise to try and make life difficult for you. But this government says that, okay, I mean, you've done this story and you haven't done this and that and whatever. But it's up to you to decide how much you want to yield or not yield.
0: And cutting access is a big tool in the sense that we know uh, two television journalists who are quite professional I do not have a platform today. We know who we're talking about. And, of course, there's no proof. But nobody's hiring them. So is this, you think, another element of behind-the-scenes pressure?
1: Well, I mean, um, they've cut out access to particular journalists. That means that uh, that journalist can't actually do two-sided stories. He can only do only one-sided stories. So it actually kind of cripples him. Um, cutting, ac- cutting off access, I think, it's a bad thing. It should not be done, right? But the governments tend to do this. Uh, even the U.P.A. did this for us. Uh, I remember when we invited Salman Rushdie for uh, the conclave when he was banned from coming to the Jaipur Lit Fest, uh, And we called him and suddenly uh, a whole lot of UPA ministers pulled out. Uh, even the president didn't come, um, who had already accepted. So they put this kind of pressure and it happened to a, another media house where suddenly Don't say the name
0: because they never mention any other media <laughs> house.
1: I'm <not> the largest. <laughs> I'm not mentioning any names. Again, they withdrew their ministers from them, etc. So that's the kind of pressure.
2: You know, if you think about the Washington Post, which uh, has had such an incredibly, uh, you know, entertaining relationship with Trump, uh, they've they've cut off access several times. And the Post has only sort of been able to sell more digital subscriptions and do higher quality journalism in spite of not having that, in spite of having a a ban, really, to the White
0: House. Yes, and CNN uh, also. CNN also, so th- to some I think degree. they're help- he's so helping. He's helping them.
2: So I think what's happening is that this whole antagonistic relationship between, uh, between News Media House and, and government, uh, I, I, I think it's a, it's a trend in, in a sense that, you know, this with us or against us. I think this is, this is a reality of... of
0: no, of there's, it's not new, Anand. Excuse me. No, no, it because isn't. Because there was one time where NewsTrack, we showed um, a man being bludgeoned to death. And when the reporter came back and he said, "This is Chotala's men. I said, "How do you know? You're shooting from far. How do you know it was Chotala's men? So we did not run it as Chotala's men ha- have killed this. We just said, we just showed the footage, and uh, papers picked it up and put it on the front page. The still picture. <clears throat> Nobody said. I mean, none of us, n- news track, no journalist had said on camera that it was Chotala's man. But everyone presumed it was Chotala's man. Even Chautala believed that it was his man, (laughs) unfortunately. And what he did was that he closed Arun's printing press down for six months. He had a union problem. And he closed it down. He created a union problem there and closed it down as punishment. And I must say, I mean, okay, uh, I don't know how to plead guilty for this, but I must say that Arun never once said to me, why did you do this story? Not once. It was just. And his business, that actually business shut down for six months. So there are many ways that they can turn the screws. And um, Arun, would you tell us about the time in 1988 when Rajiv Gandhi tried to pass the anti-defamation bill? What happened at that time?
1: I think that um, they were, I mean, Rajiv Gandhi was getting very frustrated by the fact that so many stories were coming out and the fact that the defamation cases would never really get to any conclusion. Uh, so they thought this is a way to fast track it. And I th- to full credit to the press, everybody got together and said that this is not on. And, uh, and there was, you know, his uh, grandfather marched down um, Rajpath and everybody else was there. Uh, it was a great I show of sure unity. Yeah, yeah. All the editors. Great show of unity amongst the press. And uh, Rare. What? <laughs> Real, yes, sort of today. And uh, they, no, buckled. Not really, yeah. they buckled, they yeah, buckled in the end, because it was, he buckled. it was, yeah. so I think wherever the press gets together and uh, is able to show uh, uh, unity amongst themselves, the government listens. Uh, they realize that uh, actually doing something against the press will give them uh, greater detriment than any benefit they would get otherwise. And that's always a counterbalance. We have to remind them of that,
0: (laughs) I think. Um, There is a scene in the film, The Post, in which Ben Bradley, played by Tom Hanks, Ben Bradley lies to Catherine Graham. He's got the story, and she says, do you have it? And he says, no, because he's afraid she'll stop it. And he publishes it anyway. Has that ever happened to you, where an editor has gone behind your back and published something which you're not totally in favor of, for whatever reason, maybe that the story is not airtight, that it hasn't closed all leads, it's, uh, you haven't got the other side. Has, that, has it ever happened that an editor has published behind your back?
1: Not me. I'm too hands-on. <laughs> I know everything which is going on. Never happened.
2: But, you know, I think at the Express, there's a... Uh, we, the, the, the idea, the model of having, you know, one very strong, powerful editor... Uh, is something that I think has been going on since my grandfather's time. I mean, I think, you know, we believe that that is, you know, the best way to get really high-quality journalism. Um, And I I don't think, uh, six years that I've been involved, I don't think that's, um, it's not common for an editor to, or an express editor, at least the guys who are right now with us, I don't think they would... Uh, break that trust. Uh, I think there's a lot of mutual respect and I think it's a, I think it's a, very, it's a very unusual relationship, one of a publisher to an editor. Um, well, and I K- think uh, Ben
0: Bradley tells Catherine Graham in the film, which actually happened from her book, that he tells her, keep your finger out of my eye when she tells him that, you know, why don't you do some more stories on women? We've got 50% women readers. Keep your finger out of my eye. Nobody would dare say that to either one of you, right? This is India.
1: I think it's a culture you create in an organization also, you know? I mean, uh, uh, Cat Graham would have had the confidence that Ben Bradley would do the normal norms of journalism to make sure a story is rock solid, right? If you have that culture in the the organization, these things don't happen that often. There will be stories which have gaps and you'll get comebacks and you didn't know that, you know, some part three. Actually, with social media, uh, it's great. Because uh, the whole world out there is full of experts, so some way or the other, who will judge your story mm-hmm. and find out the holes which are there. So actually, for uh, editors and for proprietors, it's a good check on journalists uh, to to make sure that their stories are robust.
2: I, I also think the scene that you mentioned. You know, I I I, I remember noticing that scene. Uh, you're picking up all those scenes. I sort of registered in my mind when I saw the film a long time ago. Now, but. Uh, but you know, I think it's it's to do with Catherine's decency again. The owner and proprietor, right? The, 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 it's it's her decency that she would approach a conversation with the editor that democratically, you know, that she would uh, that she would sort of be as suggestive as she was in that uh, in that scene, you know. Why don't you think about this? And um, you know, I think really, as as he said, it's the culture. It's that it's that very very. Um, Special bond between editor and publisher, which I think can break uh, easily on either side. uh, You know, there are always a lot of
0: arguments. I think in most, I know both your news organisations should be very healthy and and I mean, at least I can.
2: I can tell you very often that Dad has. I mean, I have uh, more often than him, but very often we have sort of allowed, the, I mean, the editors have uh, you know, overruled us and we've sort of gone with that really? judgment. Very often, but it's a conversation that's never of trust. Me. No, <laughs>
1: probably not. Probably not. <laughs> not there are things rather. I want done which never get done, <laughs> right? Uh, so that's another issue.
0: Um, there are two incidents that I'd like to bring up and I'd love your opinion on it, Anand. There was one time when Punjab was aflame. Um, Raghu Rai had gone to Punjab and he came back with pictures of an exodus of people leaving punjab it was like pictures of the partition roads filled with cars bullock carts tongas everything trucks and you at that time there was an argument in the office that you said if you publish this there will be mayhem panic and we have to be responsible i don't remember whether you published it or not but i remember Raghu shouting dam dikhao dalo and the ye kaise hua Jab nikali pictures, main What happened?
1: We didn't publish it. You did not. No, we didn't publish it. But I tell you, uh, another dilemma which I faced, and I'm never really sure whether I made the right decision, was uh, Indian soldiers killed in Sri Lanka. We had those pictures. I was
0: just coming to that.
1: Uh, which were really bloody pictures. You know, your soldiers lying there in a foreign country, lying there, um, and Sri Lanka was a af- flame at that time big debate in the office whether we should carry it, not carry it, national, anti-national, and so forth, right? Um, And it was, uh, meaning, it wasn't who was winning or losing, right? It was just a a picture of your soldiers dying there. In the end, we published it. It was on the cover. And uh, I still don't know whether I made the right decision or not.
0: There's also, on that same issue, the reporter who went, the photographer who came back, I remember being in the office. I don't know why, but I happened to be there. And um, there was a huge fight going on between Raghu Rai, Dilip Bob, you, and this poor little photographer. So there was all these four men, five men, shouting at each other. Because Dilip, as I recall, had gotten a call from the army. And they wanted to debrief the photographer. And Raghu said, no way is he going to allow his photographer, because he was head of the department. Allow him to be debriefed by the army because it would mean that the LTT had taken him in with trust, trusting him, and if he was going to give them their locations and everything, his life would be at risk. Then what happened? Did he, was he allowed to go to the army? Did you let him go or did you stop him?
1: I don't think he went to the army. I don't know. This kind of happened in the background. I no nobody brought this to my attention. Uh, it was an argument which happened within the office. Hmm. Uh, I think Raj Chengappa is here, isn't he? He didn't go. He, he didn't go. Yeah, Raghu had his way because,
0: and yeah. also it was the photographer's life.
1: Yeah. So uh, I don't think that was an issue, uh, but that was a, and that's a you know a cover. You have to realize a cover like that lying in somebody's drawing room. For a whole fortnight at that time, you know, it's a pretty gruesome thing to have to see every day.
0: Um, we have enough time now for oh, one last thing. Uh, in the movie Broadcast News, I don't know if either one of you has seen it. I suggest you I'll see it. It's, it's a fabulous film. A network producer accuses a reporter of crossing the line between journalism and entertainment. I think it was about 15 years ago when you mentioned the term to me, infotainment, anyway. His reply is, it's hard not to cross it. They keep moving the little sucker, don't they? Meaning, journalism and entertainment. How do you monitor that your writers, particularly in the online field, do not get into cheap clickbait editorial?
2: Uh, It's tough. (laughs) It's tough. Uh, You know, Facebook, uh, we had a conversation with uh, Facebook right now, I think. They have also realized that they've played a big role in sort of creating this whole clickbait uh, sort of culture. I mean, there are whole newsrooms that have been trained to sort of write clickbaity headlines, uh, and now they're saying they they want to downrank uh, cl- uh, clickbait. So I think, uh, you know, it's 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 that it's that old balance between sort of getting the getting the reach and sort of having the quality content. And it just, sometimes it's not easy to make those decisions. Um, I think that you know. To look at content on the digital space, I, you know I, I always fall back on pornography. I think pornography has always been at the cutting edge of technology
0: and India has the highest consumers
2: i I think uh, geo is a big uh, <laughs> role to play um,
0: you 're not supposed to mention brands unless they pay for it
2: <laughs> um, no, but I Peep think that out no no I, but, but but you know but this is true uh, in that. Um, until two years ago, uh, the most content that was consumed on digital devices around the world uh, was pornography. Now, social media has uh, overtaken pornography. Thank God we talk more than we watch porn. But, but you know, um, <laughs> but if you think about it, as an industry, they've always been at the cutting edge of technology. They have, they've monetized. They were the first to monetize a landline. You know, when the hotline phone number. Yes. Uh, they were. They, they invented pay-per-view television. You know, you walk into a hotel room, you order a film. It was first. You know, porn, now you can watch a regular film. Um, uh, the, the idea, of, even of YouTube, uh, you know, I had a friend who was working at Google just after YouTube uh, was acquired. Uh, they actually hired the server architect of Upon to fix their uploading problems. <laughs> so, you know, pornography has always been at the cutting edge. And uh, so I had a conversation with Sunny Leonier some time ago. And I asked her, you know, you... Create...
0: We have a filmmaker Dilip Mehta here who made a film on her, a documentary. yeah,
2: okay, I'll meet him after that. But no, but so...
0: Sometimes sunny, sometimes cloudy. So...
2: I'm trying to keep a straight face on a pornography conversation. I don't no, know. It's, a,
0: it's a big hit on Netflix. Sure, okay.
2: sure. I haven't seen it. Um,
0: See it. It's not porn. <laughs> it's a documentary about a woman survivor.
2: No, but so I so Come I asked back. her. I asked her. I said, you know, how do you charge twenty-seven dollars ninety-nine cents a month? And you say you have one lakh subscribers from India how do you, you are the most commoditized content there is, right? I mean, all pornography in a sense is commoditized. Uh, And she said that, you know, uh, she said, Anant, I realized a long time ago uh, that I was not selling an act. Uh, I was selling an emotion. I am selling an emotion. And I thought, you know, and this conversation happened about three or four years, three years ago. And I thought that was just, that was so close to what news is now, right? Like, it's so emotional, it's so charged. so I think you know the idea of entertainment. I mean, it, it's it's a balance, and it's tough to fight it sometimes. And uh, for the Expressive perspective, what we do is we 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 kind of try to you know do anything that's accurate, but can still be entertaining, uh, but still do the high quality stuff, which is you know uh, we market the as different.
0: Yesterday, last evening, I'm, I wish you were here. We had these stand-up comics, um, and one of his little skits was that he can't. Their the jokes are being s- stolen by reality, because when they think of a joke, it actually happens, so they lose their material. <laughs> and Arun, I asked you about this, um, how to control editorial from getting cheap clickbait material on the websites. I well,
1: want to carry on this pornography thing. Different strokes for different folks. <laughs> right? So, I think that uh, it again depends on which space you want to be in. Right? Uh, if you're in the space of not being in clickbait, but being into serious journalism, uh, I think that that's the kind of culture you bring up in your organization. Um, I sincerely believe that uh, the future lies in people producing content which people want to pay for. Uh, so whether so it has to be quality, so it'll be pornography there? or it'll be serious journalism, right? Uh, everything else sooner or later will become a commodity in the sense freely available, right? So it's really to decide. You can't do both, in my opinion, right? You can't be clickbaity and at the time, same time do serious journalism. It's it doesn't mesh together, mm-hmm. right? So if you're creating a newsroom which is creating serious journalism, you stick to that, and hopefully produce content which people will want to pay for.
0: Which is what you said—that it's good y- business. Yeah. Being and both of you. New I York Times
1: is a great example. Yes. Yeah?
2: I, but you know, you'll be surprised. Uh, I don't know if you look at the back, they will not put it on their homepage, with the amount of, you know, viral content that both the Washpo and the New York Times have. Um, and I think it's, you know, can we can you do entertainment, you know, the New York Times way? Uh, is always where it comes around to. And, uh, you know, of course there's a big difference between the New York Times' viral section versus xyz.com, right? Like, it's always going to be a difference. And I think that's really where, as publishers, we need to get together, uh, you know, more and sort of fight for that differentiation uh, with you know commoditized content and sort of premium content with the advertiser but it's you easier know?
0: for the new york times because uh they have written comedy all the time with trump so it's entertainment with politics ours also borders on that sometime sometimes but um i think that the point made here is that we have seen that websites have just gone for clickbaits got huge investments initially and then crashed
2: they've all crashed they've all crashed they've lost half BuzzFeed has dropped a billion dollars in market cap in the last six months. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got a situation where you, you, you have the, the life cycles of all these digital content products are not even two years. You know, uh, and, and the only, I mean, the reason India today has been around for as long as it hasn't, or Express has been around for 85, to 86 years now. It's because your, I mean, your main motivation is to keep sort of pushing the envelope in terms of quality of content. That's really, I think, what I hope is what's going to take it for another 83 years.
0: Well, that's very positive and hopeful. Uh, we open it up for questions.
3: Um, hi. <coughs> Sorry. Hi. Um, I'm Amy Kasman from the Financial Times. I wanted to ask you, um, you've talked about the importance of free speech and how Indians really value their free speech. And at the same time, India um, fares very, very poorly on the um, reporters without borders. Media um, Freedom Index. It's ranked about um, 134 out of countries in the world for media freedom, which I find really surprising because everyone thinks here there's quite a free media. I wanted to ask you how you feel about, um, you've talked a lot about the phone calls that come. How do you assess whether your fellow proprietors are really standing up um, to pressure from either the government or corporates? And I'd also like to ask you, whether pressure is more intense from the government or in fact from corporates on media owners and media and uh, newspaper houses, media houses?
1: Well, I, I wouldn't want to comment on other proprietors. I mean, that's their business, what they do. Uh, as far as uh, government pressure is concerned, um, I don't think it's something which uh, we take, it's not so much government pressure as Affiliates of governments, you know, in, outside. Today, in fact, the pressure which comes from uh, trolling, from social media, right, uh, and that builds up into um, some kind of a frenzy, even leads to people demonstrating outside, etc. That's a different kind of pressure, right? Uh, government pressure, as I said, is only as vulnerable as you want to be. Um,
3: what is the other last part of your question? No, corporate. You from corporate. About corporate. The pressure from corporates, I, I mean, and I, didn't I, I don't ask. think
1: that's that's minimal in the sense that uh, they yes, they may withdraw your advertising, etc. But they're not calling up and say carry this or carry that. Uh, if I may take another subject, is the fact that uh, I mean, uh, I know there are a lot of journalists here, so I'm entering into enemy territory. But let me tell you about journalists. Yeah, what worries me the most in, in, in the newsroom. Is what I call greenhouse journalism, which is plants, planted stories, people who are planting stories onto journalists, right? And they are once and they are sources who will never stand up for you uh, once you publish the story. And it's always for or against somebody, and that worries me the most. And the people who plant stories today have become very smart. They give partial information, they give it, make it look very authentic, um, you know, all that. And that is, you have to have enough filters and enough check to stop these plants. And uh, number two, this is about journalists. Journalists fall in love with their stories because they have a little scrap of information. They build a whole premise around it. They don't want anybody to destroy that. So they won't go out and ask all the people who are affected by the story. And therefore, it's, it's really important that stories are... Checked out thoroughly, and, gov- and journalists don't get attached to their stories. That they're open to the fact that their stories may not be fully correct. They have to amend what they're saying.
0: And it's very tough to drop it at that time because you, yeah. you believe in it.
1: You believe and in journalists, it. Journalists, yeah. It's, it's a so, tough that, thing. The, those actually, to me, are the greater dangers in, in journalism which are happening today in terms of uh, what gets published, is the way how journalists are being used by outside agencies to uh, use media to further their cause in some way or the other.
0: And also a very dangerous thing that is happening uh, currently is that if there is a politician within the government who wants to pull a a colleague or another minister down, he will plant a story. And you will think that oh, I'm getting a great story which shows up the government. But you're a tool. You're being used by one minister against another. And this happens with corporates also. So it is very difficult to uh, kill a story or push down a story if a journalist insists that it's absolutely airtight and you know it isn't because it's a plant and very little verification on it. And these are issues which create huge arguments in all newsrooms. And I guess in the end, it's the editor's call.
2: No, I think, you know, the editor's. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's a short-term answer, but I think long-term. If I can just add to what Arunji was saying, I think, I think journalists also have a lot of introspection to do. I feel there's a lot of. I mean, if I call myself a journalist, which I'm not, but if I call myself a journalist for this this piece, I think we are very, very. We're, get, we're getting increasingly opinionated, and I think that that's something which is clouding our <laughs> judgment of the way we write our stories, the kind of facts we go to look for. Uh, maybe some often it's just because, you know, we just. Uh, you know, are so charged with a particular, either an ideology or a particular feeling or a particular emotion towards or the against excitement someone.
0: Excitement of getting a scoop.
2: That's the best reason to sort of, uh, you know, be uh, motivated a story. That I'm not as sort of uh, uh, concerned about as, you know, the idea that you sort of come, you, you're approaching, uh, you're approaching any story with a with a predetermined view. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot. You mentioned a few of the journalists, uh, you know, going to have access and stuff. You know, I think. One of the reasons that uh, Modi is so this prime this whole government is so uh, sort of antagonistic towards the press is you know he often says he's never uh, you know he's here in spite of the press you know he's had a lot of people against him and in spite of that he's got this huge majority and you know if you look back I do think there are a lot of people who just never really give him a chance you know they they kept blurring the lines between activism and journalism uh, in terms of being so I think that you know. If if we aren't completely, have a completely clear conscience that all are reporting the toughest stories have been done, you know, with a very objective perspective, we're actually going to also be at fault at some point. Uh,
4: my name is Saurav Das. Uh, my question is to all three of you. Uh, we have seen how few media houses and few newspaper organizations act as PR agencies for governments, not only this government, for any other government, and also cases of sensationalism and yellow journalism. So, do you think the media is free of its own crime? I call it a crime because misleading thousands and lakhs of people is not, no less than a crime. And second, do you think all self-regulation measures have failed? And how can we fix this?
2: I think you have to reject the brands that you think are, are doing PR for journalism. And that onus, again, comes on the reader. You know, a lot of what you don't like about media Is is things that media is doing because it sells or because you are consuming it. So I think, you know, I think a lot, there's a lot of responsibility that lies on the reader side also.
1: We're a pluralistic society. I mean, you can choose whichever channel you want to watch or whichever publication you want to read. If you don't like what they're doing, um, don't buy them and put them out of business. But I do believe that journalists. Uh, media organization have a responsibility just like doctors do uh, must follow a code of ethics um, that they uh, Their job is to be as objective as they as they can be uh, I mean uh, Try and get both sides of the story be balanced etc. That if you don't do that then you're betraying your profession and it's it's a it's a um, I mean, it's a sacred profession, in a sense. I mean, it's a, maybe a big word to use, but it's like being a doctor, like a teacher, um, and a journalist has that social responsibility and should never take that away from you. If you do that, then you're just like anything else, uh, just a businessman.
5: Quite sure that Tom uh, uh, Hanks' character did not lie to Catherine Meryl Streep. What he said was not yet so that's a bit of fake but news. He had
0: it. He had uh, the story, but, but he didn't told say her not no, yet. Not yet. But he did have it. Uh, okay. So he lied.
5: Okay. Uh, okay. So the question really is on graft. Um, would you would you rate Modi as uh, the uh, amongst prime ministers as one who's done maximum against graft in our country? And, and, and it's a related issue, and since the Prevention of Cor- Corruption Act has now changed to, alter, to make the receiver, hmm? the bribe-giver, also culpable, now will you sort of put a new set of policies amongst your reporters, journalists, people who are getting the scoop that you, you know, they can't now uh, pay out any money to get stories? I, in never a, in
0: a, I mean, where did you hear that you pay out to yeah, get, get out. stories?
5: But but my primary question is on how do you rate Modi as a prime minister fighting craft?
0: Let's be clear. I don't think it's journalism if you're paying to get stories. Nobody's supposed to do that. I haven't heard of it.
4: Okay, my question here is, first of all, I'm Please answer
0: his question.
1: I think that uh, Modi, uh, Prime Minister Modi has raised the issue of corruption, uh, brought it into the public space. Uh, taken some actions against corruption. He's removed a lot of the crony capitalism which existed in this country, introduced certain laws. So I think I'd rank him pretty high on uh, working against corruption. Now, corruption is not something you can uh, weed out overnight. The corruption maybe on top has become less, but he has to change the whole structure of bureaucracy in order to remove the everyday corruption which we face uh, in getting you know normal things done. That's another issue, uh, but uh, He's done, I, I believe, done pretty well on on corruption and in terms of raising it as an issue.
2: I mean, I think uh, you know, we have only only way to go is up in terms of less corruption. So I think you know, uh, he of course he's done a fair amount. It's quite evident, but uh,
4: I mean, there's just so much more to do in terms of getting out of corruption. All right. So I have a question. Uh, first of all, uh, Arunji, I'm a great admirer of you and the India. Yeah. Great. admirer of uh, India today and, and you, and the, because the manner for the last 40 years, you have kind of carried forward this group with a lot of values and ethics. But uh, now my question is that, you know, um, we've spoken about the government interference and the corporates. So one more new angle which has come is the corporates kind of co-op, co-opting media, like you know, putting money in the media, getting them as a major shareholders, so how does this angle influences the media houses and second question is that as you rightly said the financial power of the media is important because that's what makes you sustainable but at the same time a journalist when he walks in the first thing he said is, is all about being right truthful making money is bad so isn't it a so money <laughs> good, but ethically. ethically but right but i'm saying is that's uh, they get uh, carried away that this is the right thing is the first important, but at the same time you're also running a business. So how do you, uh, you know, see this as a, a paradox or as a complimenting each other? To but my main question a is- A very good question he's yes, asked, because
0: yeah. uh, it's long, but the one question I think that he's asked is really good, is um, corporates uh, business houses with other businesses coming into the media, and I would add to that politicians especially in the South, who own media houses? That, I think, was a very important question he Rose.
1: Well, it depends on uh, media house to media house, right? Um, India Group has an outside investor. Um, I can, uh, they're not a majority holder in any way, but I can say with uh, great clarity and um, strength is the fact that there's never been any interference in, uh, from, from them. In fact, I'll give you an incident with the same group uh, there was a time for the conclave, we invited the Dalai Lama uh, to be uh, the opening speaker. The Chinese government was very upset about it. Uh, the Chinese ambassador contacted me, uh, our various reporters saying, disinvite him, you can't have him here, why are you calling him? Um, and we said, politely declined, um, that no, we can't do this, we, it's a free country, he's, he's a guest in this country, he can definitely come and speak. Uh, They didn't succeed with us, they went to the foreign ministry. The foreign ministry told them, look, it's a private business, we've got nothing to do. Then they went to the sponsor of the conclave, which happened to be the Aditya Birla group, and they told him, you have factories in China, right? You will be in trouble if you don't get anything done about this uh, Dalai Lama invitation, right? It has to be withdrawn. Uh, And uh, Mr. Birla told him, we don't interfere in editorial, right? It is their business, you do what you want. So there are industrialists, and there are industrialists.
0: So life is not simple.
2: (laughs) But you know, I do think that uh, I mean, I'm quite. uh, I feel we're quite blessed to not have any corporate relationships uh, structured or otherwise, because I feel it does liberate you a little bit from journalism. Certainly, it does.
0: Out of time, thank you very much. Thank you, Arun. Thank you, Anand. It was wonderful. (laughs) Historic, I think. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.